Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to Series 6 and Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We are live and interactive. We're at 866-997-4748. Love to hear from you. 866-997-GRIT. Uh, really quick before I get to our guest... I don't want to be too uh, controversial here, and I certainly don't want to speculate with about anything, but um, it's possible, guys, it's possible that Elon Musk um, is a deeply insecure man with small dick energy. It's possible that he's a deeply insecure, lonely, haunted man with intensely micropenis energy. Apparently, according to Axios, he was enraged that Joe Biden got more engagement on his Super Bowl tweet then Elon got on his. Uh, Biden had this tweet. You might have seen it during the game where he said he was supporting his wife, Dr. Jill, and rooting for the Eagles. Congratulations. Uh, that got 29 million impressions. This comes from the Platformer newsletter through Axios. 29 million impressions. And Musk tweeted that he was supporting Eagles, but he only got about 9.1 million impressions. And then he apparently deleted his tweet in frustration because it was only 9 million and the president of the United States had more impressions. I mean, what does a guy have to borrow $44 billion for if not to be the most popular guy at his club he bought? So listen to this. This is, this is documented. At 2.36 in the morning, a.m., he sent a Slack message to Twitter engineers and said, any people who can make dashboards and write software, please, can you help solve this problem? This is high urgency. If you are willing to help out, please thumbs up this post. And apparently it worked because within 24 hours... Some Twitter users suddenly found Elon Musk's posts, quote, overwhelmed their ranked timeline as he enjoyed, quote, previously unheard of promotion of his tweets to the entire user base. In other words, Twitter engineers at 2.30 in the morning hurriedly raced to design a brand new system to make sure that Elon's posts got more attention than Joe Biden's. I mean, holy shit, I thought I was an insecure white guy. He's become apparently obsessed with the amount of engagement his posts are receiving. And uh, the deputies told the remnants of the engineering team this weekend, if the engagement issue wasn't fixed, they would lose their jobs. Now Twitter's engineers, apparently they were investigating and fixing legitimate technical issues that could have hurt his engagement. So they're already walking it back. But wow, wow, how insecure do you have to be? What's stopping him from running for office? <laughs> it's almost like he's um, apartheid McBrackface and doesn't really have a strong game. 
Now, let's welcome someone who is deeply secure in her power and has a very strong game. Dr. Tracy Pearson is a legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV, radio, and podcasts. Maybe you've read about her in Forbes or Fast Company, The New York Post, or maybe you've seen her on Cheddar News, Fox Syndicates, or News Nation. Dr. Pearson, welcome back. Well, thank you, John. And the reason for my security is because I happen to live in the hive of sin and gluttony in Los Angeles. There you go. Right on. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah. Who who would have known that Elon Musk was just doing this because he wants to be Lord of the Dude Bros? Like the guy, it's one thing to want to like rule the world like Donald Trump. Elon Musk just seems to want to be Joe Rogan. He just seems to want to have low wattage guys think he's awesome. And it's really messed up what was once a nice website. It, it has. And, and it's also why I've blocked him. Now, he'll probably unblock <laughs> me himself, but I've blocked him because I don't want to deal with his nonsense. I want to use the platform. I just don't want to deal with him. Wow. Again, that's the mature way of doing things. Dr. Pearson, it's great to have you with us. We've learned that Mike Pence is now planning to blow off a subpoena. So he really is a Trumper after all. But I wanted to ask you about it because I was I was trying to break it down last night and it, it's really fascinating. He wants to blow up a subpoena, but he can't. So he's actually trying to rely on a rule that only applies to members of the House and Senate. And he's claiming that because he was the president of the Senate, that now he should be allowed to take advantage of the speech and debate clause and blow off his own subpoena. This seems like a desperate, mediocre attempt to buy time and not have to put your hand on a Bible and tell law enforcement the truth. He's a fool. He's a fool. He drives me bananas. First of all, he wanted to have the benefit of being part of the Senate when he was being summoned by the January 6th committee. Then now, because the and and this is important for people to understand, the rhetoric on this is just wild. It is he now wants to be considered to be part of the executive and that it's somehow it is it is uh, I believe that uh, he's saying that he is no current VP has ever been summoned to appear in court uh, to testify against a president with whom they serve. That's the exact quote. He isn't actually in office. So he's, he's not, not being summoned and and it's not and he's not he's somebody not being, he's serving with. And he's not being called in to testify against anyone. He's being called to come in and tell the truth and answer a couple of questions. He's literally damning Donald Trump with guilt in the process of trying to avoid testifying. I think for every person who does this kind of crap, they should yank their law license. He has a law license. They should yank it. Every time somebody like that who is in a position of power makes a false statement for their own benefit uh, about the law and what is actually happening with it as officers of the court, which they are, their licenses should be yanked. Mm, yank it. That's what mother said. Um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it just it just sort of seems like Pence... Look, he's not a brilliant man, but he's not a complete dope, and he's smarter than Trump, and his his entire act is a fraud. I, I, I honestly don't understand what he's trying to—it seems like Mike Pence is just trying to find a way, because he doesn't have a lot of money, uh, so he can either go be a lobbyist or go work for some law firm, but it's like he doesn't want to risk alienating people who wanted to hang him. So he's willing to dance around the facts and honesty itself to avoid offending people who want to hang him so he can run for president and lose to margin of error in the polls. I mean, who's the audience for Mike Pence? Trump fans who don't like Trump? 
Exactly. If the choice was between testifying in front of a grand jury or pleasing the people who want to hang me, I'm going to aim for the people who can protect me. And I am going to be dancing in front of the cameras right on up to the courthouse, right through the doors and being like, I'm going to go testify. I mean, it's just insane what this guy is doing. And he's, he's making a mockery of our system or he continues to make a mockery of our system. And it's pathetic. If somebody had had done so little about my care and safety, I would not be bending over backwards to try to help them in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. Let's talk about someone else who will never be president and will be humiliated on the campaign trail, and that's uh, Nikki Haley. We, we were talking about this briefly in the last hour, but, you know, normally when when a, a woman makes it to 51, she's not a fan of ageism. Uh, Nikki Haley just turned her ageism up to 11, giving the speech saying that um, she more or less thinks that we should have these cognition tests for any politician over the age of 75, and more or less just saying it's all about generational change. I I literally thought the same people who wrote Sarah Huckabee Sanders' terrible rebuttal last week were doing this. Put your trust in a new generation. America is not past our prime. It's just that our politicians are past theirs. I'd be offended if it wasn't also completely passive-aggressive against Donald Trump, too. It is. And it's also treating the American people like they're idiots. The requirements to be president are outlined in the Constitution. And so and and as well as the requirements to be a senator and to be a, a, a member of the House. And so she is been doing what she's been doing for the last month or so. I've been watching her and yelling at her on Twitter with Tell her me. rhetoric. She's yeah. been making statements that that are just they're the rhetorical devices. Only Americans should be able to vote. Yep. Duh. Okay, that's that's <sighs> everybody agrees with that. And so for her to to be making such a uh, statement about what should happen, uh, what the requirements should be for president. That's outlined in the Constitution, darling. And unless you're going to do a change to the Constitution, you're not going to be changing that. And I'm still waiting for the Equal Rights Amendment. (laughs) Everyone's tweeting me right now, Tracy, saying her name is Nimrata. (laughs) Yes, I actually have that written down. Her name is Nimrata Ronda. Her name's Nimrata. And nothing but love Mm -hmm. for that. Nothing but respect for her immigrant parents. I just think that she's vastly overestimated the amount of Republicans who are dying to vote for an immigrant campaign. Boy, that's testing really well in the focus groups with the right wing, isn't it? Yeah, yes. And and she also is a former Sikh. And yes. she had to she had to dump that religion because she had to tell the truth as part of that religion, which also requires or states that the that God is genderless. So there's oh. a whole lot to play with there. Uh, wow. I, I mean, we can work with that for hours. I could talk but about I, that all. The, yes, we all know God has a penis, <laughs> which he never uses. Okay, people, God has a a very robust penis, but he doesn't have to urinate with it and he doesn't have sex because he he just has it. Okay, that that that's in the Bible somewhere. Oh, the the isms always get you. And I hate the ageism. I hate it. I also hate hate the 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 backdoor attack on on the mental health of someone. That's the other thing that she's doing. And it's just despicable. Well, yeah, I mean, she's calling she's calling out to have these competency tests for any public servants over the age of 75. But, you know, she's only talking about two people. I mean, she's not going to demand that Clarence Thomas have a competency test ever. 
No, 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 no. He's in her camp. I mean, I think that uh, it's it's so far. My understanding is that that Donald Trump hasn't attacked her. So it may very well be an audition. But I, I think it's despicable for her to talk about the age in that way. I think that it, there's a lot of experience that comes with that. We're not talking about Joe Biden who, I mean, he, he, boy, he's got the skills. We talked about that at the State of the Union. He he walked yeah. them into a corner. He's got he the did. skills. We're not talking about him. She really, frankly, is talking about Donald Trump, but his problem really is that he's just stupid. So well, in, uh, Indeed, although he said, interestingly enough, he, he was interviewed by Fox News. <laughs> Shocking. And he said he was glad. He said, I want her to follow her heart, even though she made a commitment that she would never run against who she called the greatest president of her lifetime. Now, for me, <laughs> the fact that this woman called Donald Trump the greatest president of her lifetime disqualifies her from public service and might disqualify her from being in public. Um, it certainly disqualifies her from me believing she's read the Bible. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because Christy Nome has become Donald Trump's real attack dog against Ron DeSantis. And Christy Nome has said, we'll let her have her day. Like, it's very telling that he's not sicking Christy Nome on Nikki Haley because he knows she's not a threat to him. Only Ron DeSantis is. No, she's not going to get she... a nickname. She will get no nickname. I well, I well, it's not. Let's not be so definitive about that. We don't know yet, but I do think that that she she won't make it through. I'm going to put my 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 foot down on that. I just don't. She will. I think that she frankly doesn't have it. She was you're right. She was she was a Republican that uh, at one point that, you know, thought all the wrong things, but wasn't dangerous. Now she's part of the dangerous crowd. And those folks aren't going to make it into office. Gosh, I hope. The fingers well, I mean, that. they did before. And, you know, the very fact that Mike Pence was allowed to become vice president of our country is something I haven't gotten over yet. Pence, by the way, said she may have more company soon in the race for president. And I promise folks here in Iowa and all of you, I'll keep you posted. So all of these mediocrities are going to jump in the race. Mitt Romney is warning them that if it's a crowded field, Trump's going to get the nomination. And he's right, because a crowded field will hurt Ron DeSantis and it will help Donald Trump the same way it helped Donald Trump back in 2016. I want to see what happens when Governor Sununu jumps in. I think he's going to jump in from New Hampshire. I think he's going to do it. And I think he might be the Trump in the race. I think, you know, Chris Christie's going to try to be the Trump in the race. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sununu winds up being the wild card who says the things we don't expect and winds up getting all the hype after the debates. Exactly. And I think that that he may lure some folks over who have jumped into the Democratic camp to support the Democrats because they're anti-Trump, anti-MAGA. Now, at the end of the day, though, it's still going to be a two-candidate race, right? It's just going to be Trump, who is the choice of the faithful, and DeSantis, who is the choice of the donors. And everyone else is, I think, either running for vice president or just running for higher public speaking fees. Exactly. Or or just to, to be a grift on, on um, donations from the public. Yes. Ooh, mm -hmm. you got that right. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. I want to get to some of our calls in a second. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRID. Do you want to talk to some of our evil army of the night, Dr. Tracy? Absolutely. Let's go to Sela calling from Texas. Hi, Sela. Welcome. You're on SiriusXM with Dr. Tracy Pearson and me. Good evening. Hello, John. Okay, so I want to thank Brian and Oregon first, because I was calling in about the Irish fishermen. I remember that. The Irish fishermen and, who were uh, out there uh, scaring the Russian Navy a year ago. Yeah, yes. and it was like from January 25th to the 30th in 2022. So it was like five days there they were. But the fishermen, it, it, it was their fishing grounds, and they were going to blow it up. So I right. get it. Right. But I want to don't like that. that. Yeah. No, they don't. No, not at all. And these guys won. So, I mean, I wouldn't fuck with them. I don't know. The Russian army, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I wouldn't fuck with Irish fishermen say, on my best day. Me either. Ray Charles, whenever I hear, I listen to Soul Town a lot on XM. Whenever I hear him, I just stop in my tracks. Love, 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 love him. Oh, I'm so and glad. Duke That's Allen's my favorite. Ray, that's my today's the anniversary of uh, Ray Charles re- mm. recording. Uh, you don't know me, so we played it earlier. That's oh my that's god, one of my favorites. I just. I just stopped. And uh, Duke Ellington, I was a weird hippie that used to go to Dave Brubeck concerts and stuff, and I loved it. Yeah. And I will hey, never listen, apologize. hippies and jazz artists had a lot of, uh, let's just say, pharmaceutical overlap. Can we put it that way? <laughs> yes, There's all, all, kinds of, all kinds of spirits that both of those communities enjoy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was wonderful. But what yeah. I was really calling about was these controlled explosions and controlled burns. Okay. So, oh, you're talking about the I Ohio have, train derailment and this disaster yeah. that the media is not interested in yet. Go ahead, please. Whenever you hear anything controlled burn, controlled explosion, oh my God, run, run, run. Because where I live, I have 15 acres, but the people around me in Texas, and I'm guessing elsewhere too, if you grow pine trees and you sign up with the forestry service and you grow pine trees, they Mm -hmm. will come in and they will cut it every once in a while. But, you sign a contract that says once they do this, they can put it all up in a pile and, and set it on fire, and they do. Yeah. And my experience, people that live near me have done that, and so they, they bulldoze it up into a huge pile. They set it on fire. Yeah. Everybody goes home at 5 p.m., and then at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, it flares up, and the woods mm. catch on fire, and you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, trying to keep your house from burning down. So don't ever, Jesus. that is not a good term, um, controlled anything, because it's not controlled, obviously. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I think anyone in on the ground in Ohio looking at this mushroom cloud and the, the ah. dark plume of smoke spreading out over the landscape might have a different oh idea God. of what controlled means. But Dr. Tracy, oh I mean, this God. is crazy. This this chemical, the, 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 the PVC, the, the uh, vinyl chloride, this was banned in 1974 
from being in any household spray cans. It's a declared brain, lung, blood, and liver carcinogen. If you breathe it, you can get dizzy or sleepy or have a headache. You can die from breathing high levels of this. And apparently, uh, I didn't know this, the only way to get rid of it when it spills is to set it on fire. You can't scoop it up. You can't bury it. You can't put it back in a bottle. So burn it and good luck, woodland critters. This is where we're at. This goes back to my my belief that that regulation is good, because I think that my understanding is that Donald Trump uh, got rid of that regulation that allowed that that spill to happen. And I, I think you can call it a spill. To happen and regulation is good folks we like regulation we like people yes, to make do. sure that we, we like stay safe yeah <laughs> it's a good that's thing that's it anyway thanks you guys y'all have a good thanks. night thanks Sheila. i mean it is Bye-bye. crazy tracy to thank you Sheila, to think about the fact that these republicans who are trying to use this again not because they care they don't actually care about environmental regulation. They don't want to do anything to make the railroads safer. They don't want to do anything where, you know, government actually improves the lives of Americans. They want to see how they can use this to attack Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden. That's the extent of their interest. I was I was tweeting to some of these people yesterday, including Matt Walsh, when they were outraged over this. I'm like, well, welcome to the environmental regulation party, guys. There's room for all here. That's exactly that the and- debate. And and in fact, Donald Trump, what he had done was for every regulation they were going to put in place during his his uh, presidency, they had to get rid of two, if I recall correctly. That's and right. so that was what was going on. And, you know, right, there are lots of regulations. There are important regulations that are out there. And, you know, there's different kinds of law. And, and that is one of our kinds of law. And they're very important. And there are rulemaking processes that people can participate in. And so regulation is good and you can have a voice in it. And it stops things like this from happening. And it's yes. so important. Speaking of regulation, can I can I ask you about something? This is from Absolutely. Salem, Oregon. You know, obviously, we're still coming to terms with the video we all saw of the murder on tape of Tyree Nichols. Uh, Now, an Oregon lawmaker has introduced a bill that would require all law enforcement officers to complete at least two years of higher education. Uh, Obviously, a lot of precincts wrestle with this sort of thing. A lot of say this will make it harder to hire people. I kind of feel and make it harder to say to recruit candidates from diverse backgrounds. I kind of feel like I don't mind making it harder for men to have the power cops have. Yes, I think education is important. I think that that it makes sense. Uh, If I recall correctly, Tennessee has has some of the lowest in in the country other than Hawaii uh, requirements, which has almost no requirements to be able to recruit police officers at the local level. But the thing for me is to understand what it is that you're trying to solve with that problem. You can still be smart and still beat the heck out of someone. So, you know, it is not necessarily solving the problem, which we need to understand. Where is that coming from? Because there's a lot of folks out there that that are very well educated that that have done terrible, awful things. Well, educated Um, men want to be popular, too, and will do unspeakable things to earn the trust of their colleagues. Indeed. Indeed. That's 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 actually horrifying. I mean, George Carlin had a famous bit where he said the requirements to be a police, we should have two intelligence and decency. I've known lots of decent cops, but I know what he's talking about. And what they're really saying is, how do we keep these ignorant, brutal white men from becoming cops? And, you know, Joe Biden said in his convention speech when he accepted the nomination in 2020 that we have to root out white supremacy from our police precincts. 
I couldn't believe he actually said it. And I don't believe he'd actually do it because I don't know if it's possible to do it in many ways. It almost seems like this is saying, well, the police is now a job only for those who can afford a couple of years of higher education. And it's not a job open to lower income people. Well, it isn't even just that. It's also corruption. When you look at Oakland sure. right now, they've removed the the chief of police. Uh, he had been removed for an investigation. And when you look at, at what's gone on there, he's interfered in investigations internally yeah, right. where there were findings that should have been made against officers. And he directed the investigators to not make those findings. And wow. though that happens across America in every circumstance, it happens at the corporate level, it happens in higher education, it happens in government, where the employer interferes in the workplace investigation. And I happen to know a little bit about this. So it's sort of a passion project of mine. And it's really important for folks to understand that because it's not just in law enforcement, it's everywhere. Sure. I mean, it is remarkable, though, and we are talking about Oakland, and I love Oakland, and I like to say nice things about Oakland, and I've had a lot of great times there, and I've had family there, but they've now had seven police chiefs in seven years. Maybe I they mean, should slow down a bit and I was try gonna to say, find it's the right like person. The Spinal Tap drummer of law enforcement gigs. It's like <laughs> a Kardashian with soulmates. Now, I know they have a brand new mayor uh, who just got sworn in and is already firing the police chief. Uh, maybe that's a good way to start off, but... Oh, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And and again, if you ever talk about serious police reform, you get accused of hating the police. So this is what we're up against. Exactly. And I think that it's and, and then do you notice that when bad things happen, for example, the Michigan uh, state issue, you know, the University of Michigan, the yeah. Michigan University shooting. Uh, yeah. That when those events happen, it's then it becomes a love fest about these police officers, and oh, and it's right. just you 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 start to my head starts to like crack like Chucky, like it's like wait wait a minute, hold on a second. Yesterday we were hating police officers, today we love them. Which it's just every situation is different. Every every situation is different, and we need to be thinking critically about these circumstances and what's happening, and understand the facts before we do anything. Yeah, we can mentally walk and chew gum at the same time on this. I think it's very easy to respect law-abiding, decent police officers and demand accountability for the other kind. I, it's technically both a liberal and conservative point of view at the same time. I think. Yes, it is. And and yet at the same time, it, it requires facts and it requires us to get off sort of the political talking points and to, to really understand each individual circumstance and try to narrowly tailor a solution to that problem instead of going after it based on isms. I love you, doctor. It's so much fun to have you on the show. In fact, you, you deserve better. But let's go to Bill in New Jersey. Bill, welcome. You're on with Dr. Tracy Pearson. Yeah. Hi. Good evening. Um, Hello. As far as uh, Pence is concerned about vice president, you know, being interviewed, whatever. I'd like to introduce him to Aaron Burr, who was tried for treason twice. <laughs> Thank you. Acquitted. But after he murdered Hamilton, he uh, conspired with the British government to hand over some Western territories if they invaded through Mexico or something. Mm. And Did he really murder he Hamilton? Was, I don't think we can say he murdered Hamilton. Hamilton showed up for that it, duel. Let's when it fair. comes to a duel, whoever wins is a murderer. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he did happen to go to that that musical. I remember that distinctly because <laughs> there was a there was a whole whole back and forth between the cast and cast and that's him right. wanting to. to that's leave, right, I Mike think. Pence. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, listen, you're you're going to make me be an Aaron Burr defender on late night radio right now. But uh, <laughs> Hamilton uh, gave consent. He showed up, took a gun, had a second, and did the duel. I don't think it legally counts as murder. Uh, duels should be illegal. Well, I think the death penalty is murder. But here, Hamilton signed up for it. I I. I I can't believe I'm defending Aaron Burr right now. I can't well, either. I, was it lawful? Look what you've brought me to, let's, Bill. Let's call it murder-suicide. It was illegal in New York. That's why. Well, he murdered his political career. Let's keep it at that. He murdered his career. That's true. But anyway, yeah. he still had to go to court, and he still was the third vice president. That's and right. He's a shithead. But, uh, and by the way, can I tell you something? We've now had a debate about Aaron Burr murdering Alexander Hamilton. And Mike Pence is still not interesting. He's still that boring. He's still that yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you were talking about scarring before and everything. Yes. And, you know, I've got this scar on my uh, shoulder. And, uh, you know, when I go to the beach, the, the chicks, they dig it, you know. After That's I tell them my fabricated uh, heroic story at the playground. What do you, what do you say about your burn on your shoulder when you go to the beach? See, it's a my, guy No, thing. my scar. It's a guy. It's such a guy right thing. There. It's such a guy. Oh no! I have a scar on my face, and and it was uh, a, a plastic surgeon. He did this, uh, <laughs> but I always just say it was an Asian guy in Pasadena with a knife. I don't tell him it was a Mohs oh. surgeon when I had a well, skin well, cancer. Well, it was a knife, but it was a surgeon who made the scar on my. Yeah, my surgeon. I had a surgeon give me a scar in the face as well. I tell that partial story right. to sound much more butch than right. I am, Bill. We're right. so, we're we're equally sad here tonight. Right. Yeah. So in nine days, we're going to see Gallipoli. In the Ukraine, you know that. What movie? are you talking? Yeah, I know that movie very well. What do you mean by that? They're going to invade. They promised on the anniversary, and they're all geared up, and it's going to be like crazy D-Day. It's going to be like thousands of uh, soldiers. Oh, it's the opposite of D-Day, my like, friend. What's that? It's I mean, the opposite of D-Day, but yeah. No, yeah. The, yeah, well, that was for a good reason. But I'm talking about an invasion, another invasion that not going to go well for the Russians, but they're sending hundreds of thousands of them just trying to overwhelm. And where the fuck are the tanks and everything? I don't understand. The tanks are being sent from Germany, but where the fuck are the soldiers for this massive invasion? I mean, they're emptying prisons now. Like, they've gone way past their armed forces. They've gone way past conscription. Now they're emptying prisons for their cannon fodder. And my new favorite, you know, Tracy, my my favorite uh, genre of filmmaking last year was um, Trump supporters doing their COVID uh, videos in the hospital before going on respirator. This year... It's watching videos of Russian troops beating up their commanding officers. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how this guy can hold on to power much longer. I don't know. I, I, I would love to find out how it's going to end. I mean, he's certainly squirreled away somewhere. No one's going to get him. I don't know. I kind of think Putin's going to get Putin before this thing is over. I mean, right. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know how. We... Go ahead. You were, talk- you were talking before about Germany and how they view, you know, the role in the war and yeah. uh my father came back from the war in 45 and he got married in 48 and he was successful and he got a uh, reservation at the breakers in palm beach a week before the wedding he gets a call from the breakers his name starts with gold so you know can you come into our new york office we want to interview you because you want to stay at one of our hotel at our hotel this is this is because he was Jewish. Is that what the story is? 
Yeah, that's after the Holocaust. There were still lots of restricted places. Oh, in the United you, States, you can you can talk to some African American vets about how they were treated after World War II as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, oh, they yeah. didn't, whereas Germany made the connection and said we did a horrible thing over here, it didn't matter. But nope. uh, you know, You're it's, right. And, and it's it's how it's how it's always been. But Harry uh, Truman desegregated the military, but he did it uh, in a segregated America. Right. Right. By the way, there are some notable scars. There's the uh, Heidelberg scars that they have in the movies that the Germans officers have from you know the sword fights. Okay. Eye, and then there's Scarface, and uh, and if you're a prison, scars are a good thing to have, right? That's that's I hadn't thought about it. I'll, that's Again, it's a whole to. male thing. It's an it's an equity thing. Women have scars, and it, it doesn't work the same way. No, yeah, not quite the well, same. It's true. Well, the worst scars are female mutilation, general mutilation, and the, the uh, whip marks on a slave's back. There we go. Thank you for the imagery tonight. I appreciate just, that. Though. Just to bring you up. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a really good note to end this conversation on right away. But thank you, Bill. Okay. Thank you, thank you very much. Good God, uh, can we change the subject? You know what? You know what? Joe Biden's having a good week. I want to play he a is? clip. He is uh, right now. He's actually saying exactly what he should be saying that the Republican Party wants to extend the Trump tax cut to the wealthy. I want you to listen to this, Doctor Tracy. Republicans in Congress have pledged that they're going to extend Trump's tax cut from his previous four years, a $200 billion tax cut. That was supposed to go away. It was supposed to go away after time for the wealthy and big corporations. When they passed it, the lion's share was supposed to be out of existence by 2025. But these tax cuts have already added $2 trillion to the federal deficit. That's fact. No one denies that. Two trillion. Now Republicans want to extend them without paying for them. Again, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office said that would add $2.7 trillion again to the deficit. And would give people who make over $4 million a year an additional tax break of $175,000 a year. The tax break alone is more than twice what the average family makes in a year. And it would explode the deficit and leave the American taxpayer hole in the bag. Dr. Tracy, we only have a minute before the break, but two thoughts on what Biden said. I mean, I agree with him, but A, Republicans will never hear him say this because Fox News will never broadcast him telling that truth. And B, Republicans won't care because tax cuts for the rich don't bother them. They care about politicians who will make liberals cry. They don't care that the economy is a rigged deck against them. That's correct. And they will never get passed. They will never get signed into law. But but the Republicans are going to do the best thing that they can for Joe Biden. They're going to give him hours of material that he can work with. <laughs> Dr. Tracy, it is such a pleasure having you. Thank you last minute for joining us. What is the best way for our we moved you around? You've been a refugee this week with our show. What is the best <laughs> way for our uh, our evil army of the night to follow you, doctor, and keep up with your appearances? I'm Bendy. Um, I uh, am uh, followable on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on TikTok now, on uh, Mastodon, on Spoutable, on Tracy Explains. And I have a Substack, which is Dr. Tracy Explains. And obviously, I'm here whenever you have me. Uh, we love this weekly thing is working out nice for us. Thank you for being so incredibly bendy this week. Really do appreciate it while Chris is on vacation. Have a great evening, doctor. We've got to take uh, our last break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is progress. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We are all very grateful that Mr. Christoph Waltz is always so busy, the Academy Award winner for Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, and so memorable in Tim Burton's Big Eyes, and of course, as Bond's nemesis Blofeld, Inspector wasn't really slowed down all that much by the pandemic. The French Dispatch, No Time to Die, Walter Hill's Dead for a Dollar, Guillermo del Toro's magical Pinocchio, hilariously playing Ingmar Bergman's version of Death, in Woody Allen's Rifkin's Festival, and of course now a whole season of the dark and twisted and deeply, deeply fucked up series, The Consultant on Amazon. Uh, it's based on Bentley Little's 2015 novel after the strange death of a CEO at a phone app game company. A mysterious consultant played by Mr. Waltz shows up and takes over the company with a rather dark and deranged management style. I do not do it justice. Christoph Waltz, welcome. What a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> you got a lot in there. I tried. I mean, it's not easy. It's rather daunting to set you up. I, 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 I was duly impressed. <laughs> well, I watched this show with two women who both work in tech, in corporate, the mm -hmm. corporate tech world, and they were appalled. They were very <laughs> furious that there was no HR people there. There was no board of directors anywhere. But uh, by the end of the first episode, they were both transfixed. And it does seem to be um, a delightfully fun role for you. I got the vibe that it's much better this was adapted into a series than a two-hour feature film. I think you're right. Better, worse, and, you know, where's the proof? It's in the pudding. And um, I'm quite happy with the cereal pudding, to tell you the truth. It gave us enough time to elaborate and to develop on certain aspects and go, go a little into the thing rather than just dealing with uh, getting the plot done. Yeah, as this man begins to... Um make more and more demands on the employees, and we see what they will do to advance their career, I realized you, you've gotten away with putting actual satire on American television. It's so rare it happens. Yes, and um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you uh, mentioned it, because it's unavoidable to notice it, but um, um, a critical approach seems to not be necessarily one of the prime uh, intentions of our our storytelling right now. Who do you mean by our? Um, our no no in in our culture. Ah, yes. You know, yes. Well, I agree. Certain certain elements from are always being pointed out. Yes, but they are only certain elements. So this critical aspect in our story was actually the thing that um, interested me the most from the beginning. I said, hey. As the generations adapt to their new or or the 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 evolving society conditions, especially in the work situation, change, and um, so the millennial um, work. I, I hesitate to say ethics because they, they <laughs> no, because they, you know, it, it is. It, it evolves. It, it's, it evolves, exactly. It, uh, sometimes I, I must say I feel a little, a little um, old fashioned when I watch it. Um, really? 
Yeah, very much so. Because I still have, you know, the 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 boomer the boomer work ethics that you know a job worth doing is a job worth doing. Well, <laughs> let's get on with it. You know, I have the Generation X work ethic. I don't want the boomers criticizing my work ethic, so I'll show up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's the transition. So, um, I I found out I found out, um, you know, that 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 approach really really intriguing and to unsettle the 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 comfort zone the first scene where you address the company you let them know that any remote workers who will not be there in one hour will be terminated this was shot before elon musk took over twitter i mean it's remarkable how prescient a lot of the writing was Maybe he's seen it, you know, somehow and, and <laughs> tried to copy us. That's the other billionaire. It's Bezos, right? <laughs> right. Um, Maybe they copy each other. I don't know. You, you, you always um, are asked in every interview I see. They always ask you what what draws you to a character. What makes you say yes to a script? And and I, generally, I get the impression that you hate that question, but you are drawn to a director with a a strong vision. Yes. Well, that's that's very well put. Um, and that's why I mentioned this critical aspect of it. You know, I, I don't mean to criticize anyone directly, but a critical perspective on how our society is uh, progressing, or rather not, I find a worthwhile endeavor. It's an act of love for the species. That's... Um, Yes. Well, maybe from now on, I, I use that as a justification. <laughs> but it is a compassion. I mean, you, you're rooting for Homo sapiens. Well, I'm, 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 I'm maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I, I, uh, my beliefs are, are, are higher than, than I expected them myself. But um, there, there is ample scope for improvement, yes. <laughs> In most of the interviews I've seen you do, at least on television, a well-intentioned person always says, why do you always play evil people? And and it, it drives me mad. I, me I, too. I don't think you play evil people. I've, I, never seen you, I've never seen you play a villain. I've seen thank you, you. Thank you. Could you repeat that? Yes, thank you. I have never seen you play the villain. Thank I've seen you. you play characters who are the villain in the narrative. I've never seen you come out there and be Richard III and be evil for its own sake. Well, and for its own sake, yes. I mean, you know, I watched the State of the Union uh, um, last night, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a few of the heck you know really they are like very very bad caricatures of something like a cliche like evil you know calm down sit down listen to what the man has to say and see whether there's something in it where you can contribute you know um, so so they they just fulfill the cliche you know what their limited what their limited fantasy allows them to express. Now, it is their limitation. Mm -hmm. and, it is. And, and that's, that's what, how I feel about them, you know, playing characters that are, you know, then in, in quick press junkets referred to as villains. I, said, well, I don't even know what that is. I mean, in their case, it's more of a, a, a petulant selfishness than a desire for malevolence. But, you know, Inglorious Bastards is the only film I've ever seen where people left the theater saying, I love the Nazi. And it's because you don't play him 
as malevolent for its own sake. He has got his own agenda and he is trying to do what he believes is right. And it makes it a much more interesting portrayal um, and more fun, I would guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you I, I don't know. I, I don't even sit back and think about what can I do to avoid the, you know, I just look at the script. And that's why I'm picky about scripts, because if the script is good, there's plenty to look at. There has to be, it seems, there is always a level of whimsy in these villainous characters. There's always a level of, of mirth. Yeah, but th- that's a dramatic device um, that is, you know, in a way surprising and, and entertaining to watch, but I don't think it's a necessary prerequisite. I know you don't like talking about process, but I, I'm, I'm very curious in your work with Stella Adler. In well, your work on text analysis. I no, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did not take acting classes with Stella. Adler. I took the script interpretation course. Okay, which I I think I can say with conviction that it may be may have been the 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 most important aspect in my education as an actor, because you need to find out what it is that you do before you think about how to do it. What's beautiful about that to me was that you studied with her in the late 70s? Yeah. So it would be a couple of decades before you became what we call a celebrity. But, but yeah, the work itself... Exactly. I, 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 um, I do consider myself lucky that I worked in between as well. I mean, that makes a big difference. There are not many actors of your stature who had the luxury, if you will, of avoiding luxury for many years and honing the craft and developing who you were. Yeah, well, luxury, necessity. And I think there are more, you know, actors who survive as actors all go through that experience. Any 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 craft that you um, reach for mastership, um is is takes decades to learn it's it's um, i find grave mistake to believe that because the billboard is a little bigger you've actually <laughs> you know and done the the necessary work it sounds like a spiritual path almost i i know i know no, you it's no? not no, no it's it's just you know it's a job it, well it's it's not it's my life yeah I'm curious, in a character like this, did you read the novel in advance? And, and do you, for a character like this, like to create your own backstory? I, I did not read the novel in advance because, um, because I can't play the novel. I have to d- adhere to the script. So, yes, if there is a novel, you read as much of it as you think is helpful but when you discover it is actually detrimental you better put it away for the same reason you can't play the novel um it's the writer's job to adapt it not the actors the actor plays the part as written in the script you are serving the screenwriter not the novelist well yeah i'm 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 serving the movie in that sense i mean can i ask you about how you approach the text how you go ahead and create what it is you're going to do? I mean, do you do you like to have a lot of rehearsals on set for a project like this? Well, you know, it's it I I like not to work according to a recipe. You know, yes. every every 
every constellation of collaborators required different behavior exchange. Every role requires its own unique approach, just like every person deserves his or her own unique approach. When you meet someone, when you talk to someone, when you, when you uh, relate to someone, you, you adapt to what's coming your way. It's an exchange. That's what commu communication means. It's something that we do together. I can't communicate to you. That's, uh, that's uh, an erroneous conception. Right. We can communicate. Right. I'm American. I, I communicate at you. That's how we do it here. <laughs> but what you're talking about now sounds a lot like Strasbourg. You're talking about relaxation, being in the present moment, and that listening is as important as the dialogue. Well, that would be the recipe to it, yes. Um, but you don't like talking about that. Well, I don't. I want to avoid it. And, you know, I took classes with these Strasbourg. <laughs> and it, I'm, I'm sure it was, uh, it was fabulously interesting and formative and all that. And um, it's been... 40 years and um, actually more and and um, that was that then very important then then because because um, it's turned into a brand it's turned into a brand and people shop for method acting like they shop for branded clothing or yes. branded coffee it's turned into a consumer article um look each to his own and everyone you know the, there are many paths to happiness and fulfillment it becomes cult-like i don't know you know as lo as long as i'm not a member of the cult they can do whatever they want <laughs> so i'm guessing you would never want to teach I don't want the responsibility. Um, the most interesting talents are the ones that are hidden. You know, the nuggets are difficult to get at. I don't want that responsibility to overlook a nugget. I don't want to to have uh, to be guilty of having spoiled or wasted or missed a beautiful talent that was difficult to access. Uh, it's being a teacher is foremost responsibility towards the the student. I don't think I'm capable. We're going to take a very quick break. This is progress. I'm John Fiegel saying this serious XM progress in the film Georgetown. It occurred to me that you might be the only actor to have acted opposite Vanessa Redgrave while also directing her. It got me wondering, have there been actors who have raised your game, who have challenged you in ways that you found surprising on a set? Have there been actors that have made you a better actor, be they famous or not? Most definitely, and you could argue, even though I'm not quite convinced that it's not an academic argument, uh, that <laughs> that every single actor you work with, of course, actually makes you better. 
but speaking of better, I don't believe in better or worse. You know, I don't believe in good actor, bad actor. Deeper? Well, whatever. You know, that's his his very intimate conundrum to solve. I I think if an actor is perfectly congruently cast in an interesting or engaging story and if he's working speaking of the constellation of collaborators within the right constellation of collaborators it is inevitable that the result that the audience gets to see will be what is generally referred to as a good actor <laughs> might there be a specific actor you've worked with that this would apply to well, you know, look, I mean, you can abbreviate that highfalutin uh, um, speaking about academic discussion, you know, um, and and say, no, he was right. Mm -hmm. And then he's good. <laughs> yes. She was wrong. And then she was bad in that single instance, in that one role. Yes, of course. The same, the same actress whom you thought, um, you know, insufficient. Of course. In one could be perfect in another. So what does that make her? A good actress or a bad actress? No, absolutely. Have you had roles where you felt you were miscast <laughs> and had to overcome that? <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. I've had to fake my way through it a few times. But I'm, I'm curious, has there, has there been a specific person who has, who has raised your game on a set? Um, yeah, yeah, but you know what? What is it that raises the game? Uh, you know, I mean, I've worked, I've worked with people. Um, when first rehearsal, I looked at them and I said, "Okay, how do I get around that? How do I now play my part?" You know, into not only uh, what you could consider a void, but so vacant that it becomes an obstacle. You know, how do I how do I get around that? You know, I need to do something to to still do my job, to to put it bluntly. I'd call that raising the snakes. <laughs> I'd call that raising the game. You know, yes, you know, if you're next to, to Vanessa Redgrave and you're all in awe and you say, Oh, the great Vanessa that doesn't necessarily mean it raises your game. You're quite the opposite. Possibly, yeah. Do you want to direct a feature again? I most certainly do. I, I you know, I don't consider that um, uh, a jewel in my crown. What I did, you don't. I don't. May I ask why? Um, I thought the work was lovely. You may, but I'm. I. Uh, I may not answer. I. I've, I know that about you. <laughs> no, not not voluntarily. Do you want to direct opera? I do. I mean, I do. I have, and I will do it again. The end of this year. Do you sing often? I, I luckily don't. And, and um, luckily, meaning that I started um, venturing into that direction. Um, you studied? I studied um, opera and, and voice for a while until, uh, I don't know, a, a guardian angel carried me <laughs> into a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> but but if the right Sondheim project came along, would you consider doing a musical? I, I would I would consider working with a with an accompanist for a while to see whether I can muster what would be necessary. Sondheim's the greatest 
it's not easy to sing <laughs> and you know and and to to do justice to that level i frankly i would consider myself um, insufficient i'll never forget the night i saw django unchained in a cinema 10 years ago that's um, where you should see it. that's where it must be seen uh, a packed theater in the scene where you murder dicaprio's character the entire theater erupted in joy and it felt moral it felt like moral violence i think that was one of the brilliant elements of that script that and it was all caucasians who were cheering that this vicious slave owner was murdered and it was such an emotional response of to fake violence is it awkward for you when people come up and have tremendous emotional responses to the work a deep not just love but a, when people come to you and want to somehow own a piece of what you made them feel no i don't feel awkward because you know it, i i would have to question what i do and what i have done over the past 45 years that's isn't that the goal their engagement in what they see mm -hmm. so why if i try while making it happen should I then cop out when when the 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 desired reaction actually occurs? You're right. How many Marvel films have they offered you? I'm not sure. <laughs> How many times have you been asked to play Nazis? I'm not sure either. But but you resisted uh, for a long in, time. Innumerable. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not playing Nazis. You know, I mean that that, that I'm offended. You know, when I, they say, well, you use another Nazi, I say, yeah, go, go find one. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have some here in the States. Is there a way you prep to play death in Woody Allen's film? I mean, this, it's just it's just astonishingly funny. You, you, you don't prep in Woody Allen's films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can count yourself lucky if you know what the scene is before you have to play it. Really? Mm. You didn't, I mean, you knew who you were playing. You, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I knew because I knew, I know the movie, you right. know, the, the, the Seventh Seal. But um, had, I, had I not known the movie, I wouldn't have had a clue. I love your performance in Polanski's Carnage. Thank you. I will say that Polanski certainly seemed to understand that that play is a comedy. Yes. Polanski understands a lot. Are there directors you want to work with? You haven't yet had the pleasure. Yeah, P.T. Anderson is is a great director. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's it's almost unfair to single one out because there there are many. I'd love to work with Tim Burton again, but well, he hasn't asked me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's another lovely example of a character that is ostensibly the villain, but you play him with such truth and compassion that. I, I really don't think he ever understands what he did was wrong. You see, that that's a good example of, of one of the one of the difficult and and difficult to navigate situations in communications are um that that every person has an inside mm -hmm. and the outside is on the other side. So what is it that clashes when you get into a miscommunication is it the outside is it the inside 
can you expect a person to look at himself from the outside? You know, it, there is, um, generally speaking, a, a great confusion going on about that, and not yes. least because the outside has become overbearing. Everyone pre- wants to present the outside. Yes. But they want to present it from the inside. It's impossible. You know, I mean, you know, (laughs) yes, there is a a major confusion going on about what what is it? What is my inside? And is it my inside that I want to project to where to the outside? Or is it? that I, you know, it's, it's a yes. whole schizophrenic, it's a whole schizophrenic um, um, dynamic. But I, I think I once heard you talk about process and you said that, you know, you actors act, you don't sit around thinking about it. I didn't say you don't sit around thinking about it. I said you, you act, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you stop thinking about it. Of course, but it must be done through the process. It must be done through rehearsal, through, through. Well, I mean, you know, um, planning is not um, objectionable. <laughs> I've tried so hard to, I've, I think I've gotten more about process out of you than anybody I've ever seen talk to you in this Possibly. conversation. <laughs> I saw you say on Colbert that you had been an altar boy. <laughs> Where did you see that? On Stephen Colbert's show. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh. true? Yeah, it's true. It made me think of the character in Terry Gilliam's Zero Theorem, sitting by the phone, waiting for God. And I got to wondering about your spiritual background, if that's a part of your life. I grew up Roman Catholic because I grew up in Austria. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the chances are, you know, no, you, you, can, be, you can be anything in Austria. Of course you can. <laughs> but I was, you know, the general majority. But I was an altar boy, or started to become an altar boy, when Vatican II just had happened. And it hasn't really, uh, really penetrated the more conservative circles that that, uh, Mass should be held in the language of the country. So I still learned it in Latin. Really? And um, at six or seven years of age, you know, knowing the whole Mass in Latin without understanding a single word helps you to keep your distance <laughs> so so learning it in english does the same for a lot of american catholics <laughs> maybe I, I i can tell but um so to me it was the theatrics you know that that were quite interesting and then when i became of legal age the first thing i did was leave the church <laughs> when one goes over to quentin tarantino's place to watch movies what kinds of films does one watch <laughs> that, that's that's always exactly the surprise, you know. the The most interesting thing that he showed to me, and I'm I'm really sorry that he didn't pursue that. Maybe he will. Was a uh, an edit of uh, rebel movie trailers, meaning fifties yes. youth rebel, and it was a piece of cultural history. It was the most interesting documentary that you could watch about that, you know, bubbling new rebellion and its trajectory into the mainstream. Speaking of something, you know, a revolutionary idea turning into a brand and vanishing in the industry, so to say, that prepares topics that are being called 
erroneously called content, content. For, for mass consumption. <laughs> I always dreamed of growing up to be a content provider like Van Gogh. <laughs> um, before I let you go, you have two films coming. You have a number of projects coming out. And by the way, I, I love Pinocchio. Del Toro was here a few yeah, weeks ago. And it's you. just a masterpiece. Yeah, thank you. But you are playing two very distinct and different real life people in upcoming projects, both Mikhail Gorbachev. That's gone away. That's gone away. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm not crying bitter tears because I've found my my playing Gorbachev a little far fetched. I was really fascinated what it might look like. I can understand why you might want to tackle him. Well, you put a blotch on the forehead, and that's it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's all. The, that, there's your process, kids. But you are playing Billy Wilder. Mm, well, it needs to be said and emphasized that it's not a biopic. It is. It is. It. It may be. It may be for um, recognition purposes the person of Billy Wilder, but it is um, an adaptation of a novel, mm -hmm. which is actually about a young girl encountering uh, two not only Billy Wilder but but is Diamond his his writing partner encountering two demigods of the art on the cusp, or rather, during their swan song. Can we hope for another season of uh, The Consultant? Would you kindly refer that question to Amazon? I will. Jeff Bezos owes me 10 bucks, so I'll ask him about it. There you go. And Christoph Waltz, thank you. This was as delightful as I hoped it would be. Thank you very much. Uh, you can see The Consultant on Amazon Prime, and you should. Thank you, sir. Thank you.